Welcome to another episode of First Up. I'm Brian White, joined as always by Jasmine Jenna Gonzalez. Hey, y'all. In today's episode, we speak to a longtime friend of mine, Courtney Hill, about overcoming disabilities and finding the help you need. Courtney shares his journey with dyslexia, taking ownership of his disability, and the power that comes with not comparing yourself to others. We're really grateful for Courtney taking the time to be vulnerable and sharing his story with us today. So today we'd like to talk about seeking help when you need it and knowing where to look. But before our guest introduces themselves, I'd like to share a short anecdote about fourth grade me. So in elementary school, we used to take trips to get a free pair of glasses, and I felt a little self-conscious about it. So I would get glasses each year and not wear them. In a way, I was limiting myself and my sight while I was in school, and I was pretty much creating a barrier for myself. So I say all of this to say when there is support available, take advantage of it. If you are someone who feels self-conscious about asking for something, don't because there's always support available to you. Without further ado, I would like to let our guest, Courtney Hill, introduce himself. How are you guys doing? Hey, what's up, Brian? My name is Courtney Hill. Went to Knox College in Galesburg, Illinois. Graduated in 2017 and studied political science and business. Hi, Courtney. This is Jasmine. It was so nice to meet you. Hi, Jasmine. Nice to meet you, too. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Can you talk a little bit about what dyslexia is? Because I'll be honest, I can't remember what that is. <laughs> um, so if you can give us some background and explain it a little bit, that would be great. Yeah, no problem. I, you know, I don't, I don't think I actually even know the textbook definition of it. I know how it impacts me and, and have, you know, come across a lot of other people with dyslexia as well. And I can say it's a, you know, a learning disability that impacts the way we read, the way we write, and the way we spell things. It can also impact the way we see, you know, not just, you know, textbook things. It can be text messages. It can be emails. It can be, you know, invitations or menus. It's always there, you know, it doesn't necessarily turn off. And you just kind of learn to live with it, I guess. And you learn, you know, different ways to go about doing similar tasks that people that don't have dyslexia can don't necessarily think about. They just do. That's interesting. When did you find out you had dyslexia or how did you know? Yeah, I, I found out I had dyslexia my junior year of high school. And, you know, to my knowledge, I don't know if this is something that just develops, you know, it's something I've had my entire life, right? I've just been able to fly underneath the radar and pass just enough. Yeah, because junior year in high schools, that's kind of... That's late. That's late, yeah. 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 So when I found out I had it due to my grades, my school that I had went to my whole life had asked me to leave. So I basically got kicked out. And I think around that same time, I had gotten some testing done. Or my mom took me to get tested or something like that. I can't remember if it was before or after, but I think it might have been that summer. Because you got kicked out. Right. Exactly. So then I had to apply to go to another school and everything. So it was that same summer. And then we found it was dyslexia. And so even, you know, finding that out, they were like, yeah, let's you know maybe go somewhere else for a minute and, you know, see what happened. So I ended up transferring schools. So I thought I had dyslexia and I transferred schools at the same time. So it was a lot. And I was so upset about being 
kicked out. Once I found out, I was like, I don't even care. Let's just fix it. So I started going to different learning specialists, different tutors, different types of you know learning coaches that were specialized in dyslexia to help me at the time. So Courtney. Yeah. I know you've talked about being kicked out of school, but how did that affect your relationship with school? And did you ever feel embarrassed about that? No, I didn't feel embarrassed about it because there were other kids that had it. I just didn't know I needed it, you know, so it wasn't necessarily embarrassed. I had friends that I could see getting these similar services because you had to have the documentation to get them. I didn't have it. So I didn't look at them any different because I needed it, just didn't have the paperwork to get it. Gotcha. So do you think that it, it helped because you were able to see people that were like you in a sense that helped you feel more comfortable dealing with that? I think so in a way. Yeah. Especially, you know, that summer when I was seeing different people in the rooms with me and that I was working with, there were other kids dealing with it. I don't necessarily think I had another friend that had it, you know, I've definitely come across other people with it, but at that age, at that time, I didn't have anyone I could necessarily relate to about it, but it helped make things clear to me. So when you do those read alouds in class, when the teacher will ask someone to read and the next person would read and the next person to read, I would always get up and go to the bathroom, even if I didn't have to go to the bathroom. I hated reading out loud in class. Yeah, And that's very understandable too. Even though you were younger, you think about junior year in high school, it's kind of like those learning ages where you're transitioning into becoming an adult. So you still kind of feel like you're a little kid in a way, but you're moving on to that next level. Yeah, definitely. That's the best way I can put it. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that you didn't feel comfortable reading out loud in front of the class. And I had that same feeling, but for a different reason, you know, but English is my second language. So growing up as a child, I hated to read in front of everyone because of my accent. I didn't know the words. I couldn't pronounce it right. But I can't imagine still continuing on even into high school, not acknowledging like, hey, I have this learning issue that I could seek services, but I didn't know I had it. That sounds like a struggle. Like, I can't imagine living that. So you realized junior year in high school that you had dyslexia. How was that for you? Was that like an aha moment? Was that like a relief? I'm trying to better understand your experience with that. I think it was kind of like a relief, but at the same time, like I found out my junior year. And so a lot of these things that I struggled with, like I wasn't like an A student. I tried hard. Like I gave everything to my schoolwork, but I never saw those results that I wanted to see. And a lot of that, you know, if I had gotten the support that I needed back then, you know, I would have probably felt more confident and comfortable in school because those are things that are usually caught early on. Everyone else that in my school that had it was caught early on. They were like, oh, this is what this is. This kid needs this. And they had all these resources and support to make sure they excelled in, in school and their assignments or whatever. So, you know, I'm not saying that was privy to like this this treatment, but I think for my for I guess the way my brain is, I wish I had gotten it at a at a younger age. How was your transition into college? Like, okay, so you graduate from high school, you're like, you know, I wanna pursue this post secondary education, I wanna go to college. How was that transition for you? No, that's a good question. I it, the, the transition from high school to college was great because 
I found a college that really had a support system and a person that was a specialist there to help students. So at Knox, they have a learning, I can't remember the office name, but the woman who runs it, Stephanie Grimes, is uh, an angel. Mm-hmm. And without her, I wouldn't have been able to to excel at Knox. And how did you find out about those services? Like, how did you know they were available to, to students on campus? And what were those services? Like, how did they help? So it was more so like finding a school that had support for students with learning differences. So I was looking at a bunch of colleges and I just kind of came down to Knox and then realizing that they had a, a, a department dedicated for this for students. I was sold. And so working with the department, working with Stephanie Grimes, because she is the department, there's so many services that were available from note takers in class, you know, certain classes. If I needed a note taker, there was someone that I was able to get notes from at the end of each class. They were sent to me. Uh, I got extra time on my exams. They had services to help, you know, get notes from professors at times, or, you know, I was able to orally dictate my papers. So the services just got more and more over the years. Like they were able to get more resources for students. And so I can imagine what they have now is probably more when I was there, but they did have as as much as you could ask for. What about testing? Like when you had to take tests? Tests were good because I could take them in the room. Because at my school, there was no like no proctor. I think that's the right. Like there's no. We had. Yeah, we had an honor policy so we could take uh, our test anywhere. It was a take home test kind of thing. Not necessarily, but in a way you could take it anywhere in a building. Right. You couldn't take it home. You could take it, you could take it to your room or. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like you can take it wherever and you just have to submit it. And it wasn't timed. Correct. Oh, that's nice. I like that. We should be, more schools should do that. They definitely should. It, it was definitely a good experience. And that's a Knox thing? That's, that's a Knox thing, yeah. Oh, I it's like that. It's called the honor policy. Yes. Okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keep going. So I could go take it. They had, you know, certain study rooms that we could go to that were really calm and non-distracting. So I would go take the test back over there, which is fine as long as I brought it back. Or I could just submit it to, you know, the department and they would turn it in for me. And so there was just a lot of different services that you could utilize. And if you ever needed to check in or a tutor, they would help you find a tutor. And that's what it was like. So I really accredited it to that department and Stephanie Grimes for helping me get through Knox. Did you feel like, obviously with dyslexia, you would have these challenges, right? But I'm wondering, did you feel like you were ever behind the ball, the eight ball, whatever they say, or did you ever feel some kind of way in the classroom? You know, I did. At times I would. I I definitely would feel like that. Um, Younger, I would feel like that, especially because I didn't know it was dyslexia. I would really feel like that the younger I was uh, because, you know, everyone else would be getting back these, these high grades and you're just, you're not getting the grades I want. That was the thing. I never got the grades I wanted. Right. And how did that translate in the college world, like your experience in college? Into college, I realized none of that mattered. 
like the comparison to other people was worthless. I had to stop doing that. And that took a while to do even in college. Uh, but because no one really shares their grades in college, it's less like that. It's like when you're younger, it's like, what'd you get? What'd you get? No <laughs> one's talking about their grades to each other in, in college. And if they are, they're not telling the truth anyway. So <laughs> it, it just was, it didn't matter. I realized, so I was more so competing with myself than anything else. I think one way I remember I think about it was like those tests, I could be the last person in the class for everyone else could be gone, but I would still be in there. The lights are turning off in the building and I'm still in there taking a test. But as long as I got it in, it didn't really matter. So like I had to stop looking at it as like, oh, I wish I could be as fast as them. It was like, no, I'm, I'm running my race. So if I, if I need the time, take my time. And then I would start to see the results I, I wanted because of that. No, I applaud you for taking on that. You know what? I got to do me and I don't care what other, you know, not comparing yourself because it takes a lot, especially in college where in college you're trying to discover yourself. And for me, it's like comparing yourself to your peers. Like I, I would say that happens more often than not. So for you to take the opposite where you're like, you know what? I got to do me and I got I have my own path. That's very mature, especially at that age in college. So no, I applaud you. That's amazing. Yeah, no, it, it definitely, I'm trying to reflect back on it because it's something I deal with today. Like dyslexia doesn't just go away. It affects you in your personal life and the way you communicate with people, you know, even text, like I'm saying, text messages. I don't typically reread them, but I've definitely sent Brian and a bunch of other people text messages that are like, what are you talking about? And so if other people aren't aware that you have dyslexia, they, they might look at you a little funny, but you either have to explain it or you just brush it off. But I play on it, actually. Like, I, I have fun with it because I'll say things where I'm like, oh, I saw this is what I saw. And it could be something funny where it's like, that's not what someone said, but that's how I interpreted it. So mm-hmm. I think uh, it's fun because I find ways with even having dyslexia, you find different ways to solve problems that people would solve in a traditional manner, right? And my brain works a little differently. And I enjoy that. I I like it. I think differently. I solve problems differently. And so I enjoy having it. I think that's a beautiful thing for you to share because I feel like a lot of people usually find their way to the point that you were at at an earlier age where they're not comparing themselves to other people. They usually find that later, maybe even after college. So for you to find that early on is impressive and a beautiful statement, too, that you just said. But just going back a little bit, I know you talked about Stephanie Grimes and how she helped you. Have you continued to kind of carry on with the things that you learned during that time and how to adjust with dyslexia? Have you continued to do those tips that she taught you or showed you? Yeah, no, definitely. I still like I'm I'm a huge audio person. Like I audio books before I, you know, purchasing a book from a bookstore. As much as I physically love being around books and libraries, I'm an audio book person. I mean, I got to have it. There's no audio book. Well, I'll be able to throw it in this software and then I'll have it dictate to me. You know, there is no audio book. So I still carry around that. I have a pixel and I think iPhones have this, too. And I can orally detect my my emails and text messages when I'm just like, I can't do this right now. You know, I'll have things read out loud to me or I'll proofread things with software. And so I still use all that today. I use it for, you know, little things to big things, to job resumes, cover letters, to an email to somebody. Like I still 
find different ways to use the same things I learned in college to my professional and personal life today. That's beautiful. And then just for the, the students that are listening, if you are experiencing any difficulties at school, it's important to try to seek help on campus and feel comfortable about doing it because everyone is different in their own right. And it doesn't make you any less of a student if you're actually seeking help for things that you need. If you need the help, seek the help. A lot of campuses do have those services available and they're all free for students. So it's important to take advantage of that and seek the help that you need. Before we do go, Courtney, do you have any tips or advice that you would give to students that are afraid to ask for help? Yeah, I think if anyone's afraid to ask for help, you know, your world is going to open up when you do it. And everyone's going to ask for help at different points. And I know some people who are reluctant to ask for help because of different reasons. And I'm not trying to say that they're wrong, but when you finally get to the point where you are like, all right, I, I need some help, get ready for the support that is going to be there for you. There's nothing wrong for asking for help at any point, at any stage. I still ask for help. I'm going to always ask for help with certain things that involve reading, writing, and spelling. I'm always going to do it. And so I think it's having that relationship with, a, if it's a professor, if it's a teacher, if it's a coworker, if it's a, you know, a managers, it's one having that person that if you think you can have that conversation with them, I suggest having it. Like I was kind of thinking here, you know, a lot of this, it, it, because we're talking about it in an educational sense and school and grades and stuff like that. I'm not trying to say it doesn't matter. It, it does. But I, I think people with dyslexia or if you're experiencing any of these things should have a few extracurricular activities that they can pour into, whether it be art or sports or whatever, because that dyslexia is going to translate in different aspects and you'll be able to see it differently. And I think like for me, I, I didn't really think I was a creative person. I wasn't really considered an artist. I didn't think of myself as an artist. I still struggle with that, but I love video making. So I can spend a lot of time in Adobe Premiere and behind cameras and stuff like that. And dyslexia still follows me there, but because I'm able to create something that I'm not getting graded on, I'm able to have a lot more fun with it. And I think that's important. So just having hobbies and other things to do besides school is really important. Well, thank you, Courtney, for your beautiful words. Again, we would like to thank Courtney Hill for joining us today and being vulnerable and talking about dyslexia. That's not an easy thing to talk about in most cases. So again, Courtney, we thank you for being vulnerable and we thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you guys for having me. It was a pleasure. And again, for the students out there, if you do need help, it's okay to seek the help that you need. Thank you everyone for joining us. Take care. We would like to thank our guest, Courtney Hill, for joining us today and sharing his story. If you're a college student dealing with disabilities similar to Courtney's, remember that there are resources on every college campus available to you. We would like to thank ISAC and the First Generation Scholars Network for encouraging us to put this podcast together. Thanks to our producers, Joey Lieberman and Matt Montez. And last but not least, we would like to thank our listeners for tuning in. We hope you'll join us on our next episode. 
The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not directly reflect the opinions of ISEC. We hope you enjoyed this episode and have a good day.